order to tell you about Farron's Legion, we need to go all the way back to the beginning. Back to Night Artorius. Sleep well, and allow me to tell you the tale of the ones who sought to bury the Abyss. And be sure to hit the join button next to the subscribe one to learn how you can get these sleep videos completely ad-free. Of course, if you know anything about Dark Souls, then you've heard the tales of brave Artorius the Abyss Walker, the hero who fought and traversed the Abyss to save Ulysseel and the world. But it wasn't really that simple, and it wasn't really Artorius. It was, in fact, us, or the Chosen Undead, who accomplished the great deeds. But it would be Artorius's name that would forerun these tales. For good reason, though. The world needed the name and face of a hero. The world needed an example. And that example would be the very foundation that Farron's Legion was built upon. Now, Artorius didn't just become the Abyss Walker through acts of grandeur. No, his ability to freely traverse the Abyss was bought with a price. The Covenant of Artorius reads, This ring symbolizes Knight Artorius's covenant with the beasts of the Abyss. Its wearer, like Artorius himself, can traverse the Abyss. So it was a pact made with the beasts of the Abyss that allowed Artorius to walk it. Now, I've often pondered on who these beasts of the Abyss were. The Abyss has been around for quite a long time, and I never thought it was the tainted beasts of the Abyss that made a pact with Artorius, the one person in the world dedicated to slaughtering their kind. I don't think it makes sense for them to give their enemy the ability to come into their home. Then I thought, maybe it was Koth. He dwells in the Abyss and is always up to his primordial serpent manipulative ways. He could have given Artorias this ability, but that still didn't quite add up to me. Because again, Artorias was constantly hunting down Koth's dark wraiths and killing them. And sure, maybe he knew that eventually Artorias would succumb to the Abyss and simply wanted to streamline the process. It is a possibility, I suppose, but not every creature or beast we see in the Abyss was evil or corrupted. In fact, we even see a good friend of Artorius is there, and they even help lead us to the stranded Sif. The Cat Covenant ring reads, ring granted to those bound by the Forest Hunter Covenant. The white cat Alvina speaks a human tongue and has lived since the early Age of Fire. Alvina was a trusted friend of Nodartorius and Great Wolf Sif. Now, there isn't a specific requirement known that makes a creature or beast of the Abyss, but I imagine being able to be in it is likely a prerequisite. Now, 
wouldn't it make more sense that Artorius's covenant was built upon a pact made with a trusted friend, as opposed to his enemies? Now, this seems like a rabbit hole of sorts, but Alvina's Forest Hunter Covenant is important because it, as well, shares the same principles as Farron's Legion. The Forest Hunters protect Artorius's grave and the surrounding forest graves from intruders. Alvina even claims that those in the Covenant must heed the Golden Rule, that the clan is family and to your kinsmen, you must forever remain loyal. And so when the forest and the resting spots of its heroes are threatened, those in the Forest Hunters clan are summoned to defend it. The Watchdogs of Fair and Sigil reads, Ancient medallion depicting the crest of a wolf symbolizes the pact with the old wolf of Farron. The watchdogs ensure that the warriors sleep in serenity by taking the form of loyal spirits and hunting down those who would trespass the woods of Farron. So the parallels here are quite apparent, and it's certainly more interesting while entertaining the idea that Alvina granted Artorius the ability to walk the abyss which would mean that Alvina laid the foundation for everything that Farron's Legion is. Also, consider this. While item descriptions describe Alvina as a white cat, we can clearly see she's more gray-colored or iron-colored. Which is fun because the name Farron is a name of Anglo-Saxon origin and came from the given name Fairmont. The surname Farron originally derived from the old French word Ferrant, which meant iron gray. But do with that random fact what you will. It's mostly common knowledge now that Darkroot Garden and Basin in Dark Souls 1 are the remains of ancient Ulysseal. I won't delve into it too deeply here, but if you're not already convinced, see the architecture, map design, and the stone guardians to help you get there. Now consider the idea that even the area of Farron's Keep is built upon ancient Ulysseal, or Darkroot Garden. I again won't go over those details here. I've actually already made a video about that, and it's one of the first videos I did, actually. So if you're interested in checking that out, I'm sure you can find it on this channel. But what's most interesting about the idea is that everything has taken place on these grounds. From Artorius's grave, to the forest hunters protecting the land and graves, to the watchdogs of Farron protecting the same land and same graves. It's like we were watching an idea that continued to grow in shape, essentially what was the legend of Artorius. People often assume that Farron's legion simply consisted of the Abyss Watchers, but that's not actually the case. 
it was a quite large entity of people. Though, to be fair, the Abyss Watchers were easily their most formidable warriors, and those most connected with the blood that connected them all, and likely the face of the Legion. The soul of the blood of the wolf, which is dropped by the Abyss Watchers, reads, Soul of the blood of the wolf. The blood was spread amongst the Abyss Watchers, and their souls are one with the soul of the Wolf Blood Master. Now, this almost portrays the Abyss Watchers as some sort of hive-minded group, but that's a completely different topic for a completely different day. But they bore the legacy with the Wolf's Blood Master, and not only share this bond in blood, but share its soul. You already are likely thinking that Artorius is the Wolfmaster, and you'd be correct. But let's go ahead and confirm it anyway. The Wolf Knight's greatsword transposed from the soul of the blood of the wolf reads... Great sword of a knight tainted by the dark of the abyss, and master of the wolf's blood affair. The wolf knight was the first abyss watcher, and his sword is more punishing against creations of the abyss. This sword quite obviously belongs to Artorius, but for the sake of clarity, we'll also read the description of Artorius's armor which is called the Wolf Knight set in Dark Souls 3. As it seems, Wolf Knight has become Artorius's new moniker. What's also interesting is that you can only buy this armor set in the Untended Graves after you've defeated the Abyss Watchers. I don't think there's any secret meaning to this, but the Darkened Firelink, I guess, is symbolic of the Dark of the Abyss. Anyway, the Wolf Knight Helmet reads, Helm of a Knight Tainted by the Dark of the Abyss. The Twilight Blue Tassel is damp and will remain ever so. A vanquished knight left behind only wolf's blood, and a duty of legacy. The undead legion of Farron was formed to bear his torch, and the armor of these abyss watchers suggests their own eventual end. So clearly the wolf master is Artorius. But what of the wolf's blood he left behind? Obviously, he wasn't a wolf, but he did have his companion, Sif, the Great Grey Wolf, at his side at all times. And as it so happens, Sif was the only thing Artorius actually left behind. Artorius's shield, the Cleansing Great Shield, reads, the steel great shield used by the knight who succumbed to the abyss. Artorius, deeply scarred by the abyss, 
used this to form a barrier to protect his compatriot Sif. So Sif's blood is the blood that Artorius, the Wolfmaster, left behind. And so while Farron's legion was formed to continue Artorius's legacy, they built it upon Sif's blood. Now, that's not to say they went and slaughtered the wolf for her blood, but it is canonical that the Chosen Undead slays Sif to retrieve the Covenant of Artorius. So it's likely that, especially considering how close to all of this Alvina and her forest hunters were, and not just close ideologically, but physically close, that they went to Sif's corpse and collected her blood. I'm not entirely sure how they used the blood to connect their souls, but I'm just going to assume some sort of magic. As I said earlier though, Farron's legion wasn't just comprised of the Abyss Watchers. No, it was a mass of people likely from all different backgrounds and nations, brought together in a single cause. A majority were probably from Ulusil, given the location and the fact that they had a front row seat to the destruction of their homes. But the influence of Farron's Legion reached far and wide. In fact, they even boasted a powerful sorcerer. The Crystal Hail Sorcery description reads, Unique sorcery developed by extraordinary preacher twins known as the Crystal Sages. In a pact said to have been formed long ago, one of the sages allied with the Undead Legion in order to train the sorcerers of Farron. The Crystal Sages were even the successors of the Great Big Hat Logan, one of the most prolific sorcerers of all time. And one of these Crystal Sages went on to tutor the Legion and their sorcerers, to further strengthen their arsenal against the Abyss. The Sage would develop and refine several sorceries specifically for the Legion and compile them into the Sage's Scroll. Including the Fair and Hail Sorcery, which was initially created by the daughter of the leader of the Legion's Acolytes, the Xanthus Scholar Hazel. But still, the Legion wasn't just Abyss Watchers and Wizards. It boasted a great many warriors, including the people who would one day become the corrupted Grues we see within the festering woods. The Rotten Grue Dagger reads, Choice weapon of the Blunthorn Grues, descendant of the Acolytes of Farron Deep. The Rancid Blade is drenched in rotten waste, making it acutely poisonous. Now, I'm not sure in what exact manner the Grues are corrupted. There could be an argument made that they look similar to the Abyss-corrupted bloatheads that we see in Ulusil. 
Or perhaps they became corrupted when the wolf's blood dried up and the woods began to fester. But corrupted or not, it seems that not even their duty or loyalty has wavered as they still defend their home and would seemingly still fight against the Abyss. And I think further evidence is the Gru barring the way to the Abyss Watchers against Dark Wraiths, who were Artorias' prey and mortal enemies. So I imagine there was no love lost between the two groups over the centuries. But that isn't all of the people comprising of Farron's Legion. Even their followers had followers. And by that I mean the Farron followers. The follower armor says, Armor worn by the Farron followers. When a warrior of Farron fell to the abyss, the tall, lean followers, with their hollowed eyes, quietly appeared in groups to hunt them down. Farron and its watchers fell to ruin but the followers survived as a wandering pack of hollows. So dedicated was the fight against the Abyss, there was a unit comprised of those who would hunt down their own kin who had fallen to it. It is even said that their sword technique was honed to fight against men, implying that those who had yet to lose their humanity to the Abyss were likely their prey. Which is pretty hardcore, but that's what the Legion was all about. A no-nonsense abyss-fighting force. Even Hawkwood, the Legion deserter, says this about the Legion. The Undead Legion of Farron is a caravan of undead, sworn by the wolf's blood to contain the abyss. The Legion will bury a kingdom at the first sign of exposure. And that might also be taken as literal. Varen Keep is quite literally on top of the Catacombs of Carthus. Now, Catacombs are underground anyway, but there still isn't a trace of their kingdom above it. And we know Wolnir was a mighty king, and he and his kingdom of Carthus eventually fell to the Abyss. This battle could have been what finally did Farron's legion in. They knew their end was eventual, and they'd be corrupted one day. So the two groups extinguished each other, it seems. But before the wolf's blood could dry completely... The Watchers used it as their mandate to serve as Lord, and lit the first flame anew. It was then that the Farron followers, with no one left from the Legion to hunt down, lost their duty and were slowly drawn into the world of the Forlorn. But the Age of Fire would continue to dwindle, and one day the bells would toll. The Undead Legion would arise once more as Lords of Cinder, but they would forsake their duty to the flame. For that is not and never was their true duty. Their mission, their life's work, is to fight and eradicate any signs of the abyss, even if it meant each other. 
So here we find the Abyss Watchers locked within Farron's keep, mindless undead, unfaltering in their duty. So one by one they slay each other. Because just like Artorius, these Abyss fighting heroes have nary a murmur of dark. And so locked in eternal battle to rid one another of the corruption, they fight unending. 